0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down.
1: Hello and welcome back to 4th Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of 4th Down University a company focused on the training and development of coaches, kickers, punters, and snappers. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. The only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. online, your online sportsbooks experts. Episode 21 of the podcast welcomes Travis Roland, current head coach for the Flagler Palm Coast Bulldogs. A native of Daytona Beach, Florida, Roland played defense for Mainland High School and served as the team's captain. In his senior season, Roland led the Buccaneers to a 6A state title, the only football state title in Volusia County's history. After high school, Roland continued his football career by committing to his hometown Bethune-Cookman University Wildcats. At Bethune-Cookman, Roland took on a leadership role yet again, and his play earned him first-team All-MEAC honors in his senior season. After college, Rowland spent a few years in the Arena Football League before eventually returning to his hometown of Daytona Beach to begin his coaching career. He would spend a few seasons at Seabreeze High School before returning to his alma mater, Mainland High School. Serving as Mainland's defensive coordinator, Rowland's Mainland defense went 58-10, shutting out 19 opponents and ending the season ranked 14th in the United States in the Max Preps Super 25 Poll. Consequently, Rowan drew the attention of dozens of high schools in the Southeast United States in need of a head coach. In 2016, he accepted his first head coaching position at Flagler Palm Coast, where he is changing the culture one day at a time. It's impressive stuff, Travis. I'm really excited to catch up with you. You're a great friend. The audience may not know who you are, but you are one of, you're one of my my favorite people in life. And I, I just couldn't be more excited to bring you on today. I want to talk to you today about your journey, your plans moving forward. How are you doing today?
2: Doing good, man. I thank you for having me. You know, we're like brothers. Uh, I think that people wouldn't know it, by the way, if they saw us in a in a regular setting how we go after each other about just different topics. But really honored to be here. Doing well. You know, I'm excited to be on on this on this platform and be able to, you know, talk, talk some teams and just talk some ball in general, you know, with COVID and everything, it's, it's kind of crazy. You don't get these opportunities. So this virtual situation is amazing. And I'm excited about today.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a good one. We're going to talk about some interesting things, you know, as you know, my demographic, a large portion are coaches, uh, parents of high school players and obviously high school football players. But yeah, I, uh, I graduated from, Mainland High School as well. Uh, I was a few years older than Travis, so he and I never went to school together at Mainland. We never played together, but it is a bond uh, that we'll share forever. Uh, BPND, Buck Pride never dies. That's a, it's, it's a thing that will live with me forever. My experiences in high school, uh, shape me into who I am I, I'm a firm believer of that obviously my experiences at Miami and I've had a a, a number of experiences that, that shape me but I will never and I will always credit mainland high school as being one of one of the pillars of who I am today um, so that being said with the bond mainland like a lot of Florida high school football teams, they have the talent to play with anyone in the country, okay? Uh, there's schools in Orlando and Tampa that, that have the talent to, to beat anyone, really. But football requires so much more than talent. Unfortunately, I learned this lesson the hard way. In 1999, my team was probably the most talented team in mainland history. Uh, Travis, we used to come to our games as a young guy. That's kind of a tradition we have where the Pop Warner team would watch us. And he probably remembers vividly, like I do, that my final high school game I was beaten in a state semifinal game. It was an upset. We gave up 11-point lead in the final eight minutes, and that team was the eventual state champion. Needless to say, I was crushed. We were crushed. Uh, our goal of winning the school's first state title would never be achieved. Um, and we thought, shoot, if, it, if we couldn't do it, who would? Um, so the next few months after that final high school game for me, It was tough. And I know a lot of kids right now can relate because a lot of kids just played in their final game. Um, But I use that loss uh, in my final game as fuel. I use it as motivation because I knew I had something else coming. You know, I knew I had college ball and it it really did. It it, it probably happened for a reason. I'm a firm believer in that. But in, in the short term, I was very, very upset. So when I went to UM, you know, I would constantly check on mainland uh, I would wanted to see how the program was doing. I was secretly hoping that no one would win that first state title, of course, but I wanted, their, I wanted them to succeed. Uh, this was before the days of Twitter, so I would, I would literally have to wait until after a, a game to call my mom or a coach or a friend or maybe get an update in the paper the next day on a Saturday morning. But whatever I did, I always found a consistent thing. When I would check in, one name would always be brought up, and that was Travis Rowland. People would say there's something different about this kid. You know, he's a leader, obviously he's our captain and he does that. He fills that role well, but more importantly, it almost seems as if he goes above and beyond in his preparation. And it seems like there's a coach plan out there. I, I just thought that was fascinating. So in 2003, sure enough, you were the catalyst Mainland won its first state title. You did it. I'm proud of you. A part of me again, like I said, will always resent you for it, but I, I am going to, publicly state that i am so proud of you in that 2003 team because it it hasn't happened since you're the first high school coach i've had on the podcast travis and i think it's important to hear your perspective Uh, many listeners of this show are high school athletes you know and like i mentioned are parents and i want you to explain uh the establishment of a team's culture and what that means to you and how how is that important when you build a program
2: well, first, let me say thank you. Uh, you guys, this is a monumental moment. My boy just said uh, he's proud of me. We we go at it about 99 team versus our team all the time. Uh, you know, both teams have tons and tons of talent and guys go in division one. Uh, and sometimes even our best players were, weren't the, the guys that went the furthest. So, uh, you know, thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's a great opportunity. But um, when you talk about establishing a culture, man, I think that like you, Dan, I, you know, we had some things instilled in us, you know, with, with our coaches at Mayland. I think that um, what sometimes people don't understand is that wins or talent's going to get you the wins. Um, but what's going to make you a program and, and make you be able to compete year in and year out is that culture. And I think the, the first place it has to establish, uh, you have to, the first thing you have to establish is trust. I think that when I got here, I wanted everybody to know. I wanted the the cheer team. I wanted the soccer team. I wanted the lacrosse team. I wanted everybody to know that they could trust Coach Rowland and that Coach Rowland was going to support them. I think that, you know, a lot of times, you know, people hear uh, those sayings of BPND or, or you you know, just whatever catchy phrase you may find, Gator Nation, like those are things that you want to be able to create. And I think that People don't realize it's a whole entire institution. It's not just a football team. I think that uh, across the school, you have to create a culture. And I think that you know, what you found out here at Flagler Palm Coast, our saying of family, forget about me, I love you, has kind of taken over and is creating that. So I think the biggest part was me. When I first got here, I was I tried to go to every single event uh, possible. You know, I only had one kid at the time. So, you know, my wife and I were able to work it out. I was trying to go to basketball girls and boys basketball games. I was trying to go to soccer games, you know, every sport that was in, I was trying to go to because I wanted these kids to see that this football coach, cause we're in the South, you know, it's, it's Florida. So, you know, Florida, Georgia football is king, but I wanted them to understand that that we're trying to create a culture of family. We're trying to create a culture of trust and support. And I think that's the biggest piece is that once you get the support of your entire school, the possibilities become limitless with your program because then you get the support of everybody and all the parents.
1: I love what you said. It's so apparent to me now that it's almost like cliche. It's almost like it's a must. It's a, it's a norm to have like a saying or a catchphrase and it's on the back of everyone's t-shirt in the weight room. I don't think a lot of people realize the importance of that saying and and it shouldn't just come. It should. It shouldn't be changed annually, in my opinion. I think that should be a mantra. That once it's established, it's only built on. Uh, I I noticed that you don't change yours, and we'll talk about yours later. But I noticed that yours yours is sustained. You know, yours is is only growing in thought. And I think more importantly, the only way that you can establish that brand, if you will, or that mantra, is the coach at the top, the figurehead. You must live that on a daily basis, right? You're, you're not perfect. I'm not saying that you, you don't have your flaws, but I am saying this, that you live and breathe what you say. And I think a lot of people say things and they don't back it up with action. So I, I'm, I'm really thankful for you. And I think that's why you are such a good friend is I look up to my friends, right? I surround myself and we talk about this all the time as, as, as teachers and coaches is you are who you're with. You are who you choose to be with. And I don't care what anyone says about that because I don't care if you're a good human. If you're around toxic environments long enough, you will change. You will change. Okay. So thank you for that. I want to ask you a little bit tougher of a question now, if you don't mind. First Wednesday in February, it's a good day. It's a bad day, right? So and National Signing Day occurred last week, okay? And it's, it's a time to celebrate for many, right? Because these kids are signing on the dotted line. School's getting paid for. It's, it, it's, the, it's probably the biggest day of their lives up to this point. But for others, it's a sad realization that high school football could be their final chapter of, of their playing career. I want you to explain to the audience what transpires after National Signing Day. You know what the importance of being patient during this time, and how much goes on after signing day.
2: Well, I'm 34 years old, <laughs> and I can tell you that I have way more gray hairs than I'm supposed to have at 34, and a lot of it comes behind National Signing Day. Unfortunately, that that, that three three word phrase that every every single parent and kid looks forward to, and 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 what stinks now is there's two of them. There's a nat- there's an early National Signing Day in December, and then there's the one that everybody knows. Uh, the first Wednesday in February, so and, and what's crazy now that I think a lot of parents do not understand and even the players, the last two football seasons, uh, and I think that's I think it's the third year of the early signing day eighty five percent of Division one scholarships are gone. And when I say Division one, I, I mean Division one and Division one AA. eighty five percent of those scholarships are gone after the December signing day. So if you think about the millions and millions of kids that are playing, and then only the tens of thousands of kids that get scholarship opportunities, 85% of those scholarships are gone after that early signing day in December. Uh, and so then here comes that the next the next wave of signing day. And that's where sometimes people don't understand when these coaches come to school, they're either saying, coach, we want to look at the next year's class or they're saying, do you have a six foot two four, four wide receiver? Do you have a six-foot, three-and-a-half, 300-pound right guard? Do you have a specialist that can do all three? Can he place kick, kick off, and punt? And is he 6'2"? Like, <laughs> these are that's how specific we get, you know, once we get past the December signing then I think a lot of times people don't realize that. And then the elephant in the room of saying, let's wait it out and let's take our time. Because sometimes – I can there. I've you've played with them. I play with with college guys that don't get drafted. But sometimes it's better to be a free agent than to be that sixth or seventh round draft pick and get drafted to a terrible situation. Sometimes being able to pick your destination in a sense of being a walk on and using academic money to get yourself to to make school cheaper for a year. That sometimes is better for you. So I think the biggest thing that I try to tell parents is just be as much as it stinks and as much as it sucks to try to be patient. I know that we all want our moment. We all want to be able to say my baby, my child had, you know, had this big signing day and they signed to Florida State or they signed to uh, uh, West Virginia. Sometimes we have to be able to get in the best situation possible. I tell people all the time. You know, I was a kid. I led the state in tackles as in high school and won a state championship was first team all state. Guess what? I didn't get my first offer, not after my junior year, not after my sophomore I got my first offer three weeks before signing day. Three weeks. So you, if you imagine, I got an offer in Red Lobster from Coach Wyatt. He gave me the greatest pep talk ever in Red Lobster. I was ready <laughs> to commit on the, right there over the biscuits. And then I wanted a visit to Toledo uh, because they were recruiting me. And I'm putting air quotes in the air. And I don't know you guys can't see them. they were recruiting me and wanted me to see it as a Florida kid just in case the scholarship came open. And then the following week, the week before I signed down, I went to Bethune Cookman. So that 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 was it, you know. I and 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 that was my life as a as a high school athlete. And I think the biggest part is just be patient. Uh, your high school coach is working. I, I'm pretty sure that they're working hard for you. You got to you have to be patient in that moment because that moment, while it's it's a very big thing, it's a blip in the radar because there's plenty of times. I remember we coached a kid, Nick Bruno his situation didn't come, I think, until three, maybe four months afterwards. And he went there was an All-American as a freshman. I mean, so there's just – everybody's situation is different. And for specialists, you definitely have to be patient because there's guys that are on the roster that end up leaving because they're about to go become a doctor. Like, there's so many different situations. So I think the biggest part is just being patient um, after that signed in and not getting so down on yourself and thinking it's you. Because it's not you. It's just the colleges have to – they have to play the numbers and they have to figure things out.
1: I love it. And I want to just add on to that and say just what you said reminds me of proactive versus reactive. You know, if I want to be reactive and stay stagnant and probably never make a change for the better, I can pout. I can say, woe is me. I can say, oh, I have a bad situation and no one else does. It's all on me and blah, 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 blah. Or you could be proactive And you could grind because what's going to happen is if you're incessant, if you're, if you're persistently DMing everyone that may need a guy, whatever position you play, someone's going to respond because right now I'm noticing that it's, 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 it's time for that, right? It's time to go reevaluate, see who's still out there, see who may be the, the diamond in the rough. And there are several, I mean, go look at the Super Bowl rosters. What was there? Two, five stars in the entire game. Uh, So I, 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 I love what you said. I really do. And Nick Bruno, you made a good reference is, you know, he did not get an offer right away and he was a freshman, all American kicker at Eastern Illinois played with actually Jimmy Garofalo's kicker for a year, you know, so these things, these things work themselves out for the ones who are proactive. And I want to add on one more thing to what you said is I think Twitter does a disservice because kids will go on there and they'll just state I have an offer. And what it is more often than not is not even a PWO. It's a walk on. They, they welcomed you into their program and you got admitted on your own. And good for you because you, you you got a test score and and you got admitted, but you're, you're a walk on. But you want to look like a movie star and you want to get a blue check one day. So you, you you verbalize it as an offer. And then what that does is it really twists the perception of so many that did not even get the walk on. Right. Let's move on. I know that was I just I really wanted your perspective on that because I think it's so important to hear it from a high, high school coach who is who is in it. You, no one knows it better than you. Um, so thank you for that. I want to shift the focus now to what we kind of addressed earlier is like a mantra, right? Uh, You talk about your team, you know, and on this team, you talk about F-A-M-I-L-Y, you know, and it's an acronym. Uh, I love the acronym because it appears that, you know, it spells family and it's implied that, oh, it's all sunshine and rose petals, but we all know that family is, is that, but it, it's so much more than that. Uh, your family will share your best moments, of course, but it will assuredly be there for the low points as well. So your acronym FAMILY, it stands for forget about me, I love you. Can you explain why this mindset is essential in building young people, especially those who are part of a
2: team? So I think it's like you said, if you think about our Twitter world, how often are kids tweeting about their friends. You think about our Instagram, you think about our Facebook, you think about all the social media stuff. Most of the stuff that we put out is about us. I think that like, if you ever want to see a change in someone's life, if they're a family man, if they start putting out a bunch of pictures about them, then you kind of know that something's changing in their family dynamics. So I think that it's important for these kids to realize that when we win a game, it, it, while there's going to be certain excerpts in the article about them, about that individual player that's scoring the touchdowns, ultimately it's going to say FPC or Flagler Palm Coast won the football game. So I think that it's, it's huge to get them to realize that sacrificing sometimes uh, self-success can also mean team success. I tell people all the time, we had a kid named Nelson Paul uh, is at SMU, phenomenal football player, four 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 forty at 210 pounds and, you know, 22, 200-meter track kid, made it to state and shot put, came in second, all-time sack leader here in the school's history, right? His senior year, the sack numbers were still high, but they weren't as high, that they weren't as no, as high as normal. Well, guess what? Every single kid around him, their numbers went up, and he was okay with that because he was getting the attention – but his teammates were making plays, which in turn, in our defense, was playing really good football. And I think just the whole forget about me, I love you, it's honestly just to be able to say, this is not about me. I love you, and I want you to be successful. So for me, I tell, I tell every reporter, like, this program is not successful because of Travis Rowland. Flagger Palm football is successful because we have a very good football staff and a very good program that's built around us. I get the credit because that's, you know, it's like the quarterbacks in, in pro football quarterbacks get all the glory for the wins and all the blame so it's kind of the same thing but it's just it's a thing where when you show your when you when you show them as coach scott wilson who i worked with at mayland as he has said he said before show them you are of them so when it's time to clean up i'm in there cleaning up when it's time to be here early i'm here early like i want everybody else to be i don't say oh i'm the head coach i can pull up like i'm nick saban when i if i want when i want to and whatever so i just try to try to show these the, the 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 family that it's not about me, it's about them. And I, and I want them to be successful in everything. But as you did say, everything is not always rosy. And if we're really going to be family, you know, I, my mom, I think, love, you know, she gave me birth. There was one point in my life where she came to pick me up to take me to go, get a, to go get tested for the flu. I felt terrible. She had a bone to pick with me. And I'm telling you, I could barely talk and open my eyes. She let me have it. All the way on our ride, and our ride was a good 20 minute ride down Williamson and down Dunlap. And if you're if you're from Daytona, you know how long those streets are and the amount of lights and how long it takes. She let me have it the entire way, and and her words were, "I know you don't like it, but I'm your mama and I love you, and it's my job to tell you when you're wrong and let you know about it." And that's and that to me let me know that she didn't really she cared more about me than she even did herself in the sense of she wants to make sure her son was doing the right thing. And so I think that that's a piece of us here with our family. It's it, like, yes, it's forget about me. I love you, but I love you so much that when you step out of line, I'm going to let you know. And you may not even like the delivery of how we, we I remind you or we remind you of what's going on, but we're doing it because we love you. And I think that's the thing that, that we've gotten away from. Everybody wants to be, they want that pat on the butt. They don't sometimes want that constructive criticism. But if a person truly loves you, they're able to give you that constructive criticism. I think that's the, that's the biggest piece for us is that while we are a big happy family, we also are able to get after each other.
1: Amen. No, and it kind of reminds me what you just said is and I love the saying, it's not mine, but I but I but I it holds true to my heart. People don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. Absolutely. And you know a lot. I mean, you're a heck of you were a heck of a player, you're you're a heck of a coach. But I think that uh, there's a disconnect often with really good football coaches, especially coaches that start emerging, and they forget very quickly that you have to build a relationship too. It, the kids are not gonna just love you and respect you because you're a brilliant football mind. If you're a terrible human and you don't help out, clean up, or you don't you don't do the little things, it, it, it adds up, and people Definitely. slowly start you know moving away from you and maybe building a better relationship with their position coach. This occurs all the time. Uh, and I think you do a fantastic job of finding a balance in that. And and, and you make it a point. It's, a, it's very apparent. So I appreciate that. Uh, I want to ask you another question. I think this might be my final question. I don't want to keep you all day, but I think this one is probably my most, this one is very dear to me. Uh, my staff and I at 4th Down U, we train high school specialists from all over the nation. Uh, each of these athletes, they share with us very unique experiences of how they're treated as a specialist on their high school team and the emphasis that's placed on special teams as a whole in high school. Right? So although it's improving, I I will say it is definitely improving. People are embracing the kicking game more than they ever have. Uh, It is still alarming to see how many good high school programs undervalue the importance of the kicking game. Uh, Can you share with the audience your opinion on the importance of special teams Perhaps what shaped this opinion?
2: So just very simply, easily put in, in, a, in a, you know a couple sentences, uh, in 2019, we had a super talented defense. Our numbers won't show that. And a big piece of that was because we had to sky kick all the time. So the other team was starting on the 35 or 40-yard line. Uh, we weren't great in the punting game, so we shanked some punts and we maybe netted a 30 30-yard 30 average or a 27-yard average on our punt. So you're talking we're only technically I, I counted it as first downs. If you can have a net of 40, that's that's four first downs that, that an offense has to get in order to get the ball back where you're like if you were if you were to go for it and get no yards. That's how I think about it. So you fast forward to this year, we get a Julian Del Castillo as a kicker and he's kicking touchbacks. Now the team's got to go 80 yards. Our points per game went down. I think we 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 gave up like seventeen last year. I think we ended up we were in somewhere like fourteen or twelve this year. Uh, give points given up per game. That's a direct correlation to the kicking to the to the kickoff game, kickoff team. Then you talk about Jaden Arnett going from sophomore to junior year for us uh, as a punter. He became tremendously better as a as a punter. And, and, and not just so much in the length, but even in the directional punting, because we want to be a directional punt team. We want to put the ball in the corner and make you have to outrun us. So now when he's giving us a 35, 40 yard net now, and, and we're getting, and, there, and there's no return yardage in the game. Now teams are having to drive 70, 80 yards. And against us, that's, that's against our level of defense. That's just not feasible a lot of the time. And so we dropped off, you know, three, four five points to our points per game, which that ends up being turning into wins. And I think that was huge for us. It's just, so we try to spend a lot of time on that. And, and I'm thankful for those two kids that we had this year, because it, it, it just proved to be a direct correlation with getting wins.
1: I know both those young men. Well, those guys prepare to, to help your team succeed. And I just echo probably what you say on the week, weekdays, on the weekends, you know, that's when I train my guys as weekends. And I remind them that, you know, you're going to be involved in one in every six plays and you're either gonna win that play or you're gonna lose it. And it's gonna be a direct result of how you give your defense, you know, the ball. So it's 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 vital. One in six plays to me, if you're neglecting that, you are risking 15% or more of plays. You're just giving it, you're relinquishing those, those plays to a team that may have prepared a little better. And I really thank you for doing that. And I, I'll say I think indirectly, you and I both know Bud Asher had a huge Influence on me and you, Bud Asher was a former mayor of Daytona beach. He was a scout for the Oakland Raiders. He, he owned an arena league team. I mean, the guy was a circuit court judge. He was my hero. He really was. And I did a camp to honor him for a few years here in Daytona because of how much he meant to me as a young guy, but he taught me how important this was. And you're not just a kicker, you know, like you have no idea how valuable you are are to me and this team. And that was, that again, that's a big part of why I love mainland. That's why I transferred to mainland because I saw the emphasis was placed on something that I had a gift in and I saw you guys win, you know, and and I, and I, and I wanted to be a part of that. And I think that again, I think that had a huge influence on who I am today. So I want to thank you so much for joining the show, and I always make it a point. I know someone wants to talk to you or ask you a question based on this, so if you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience how they can follow your progress,
2: um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter. Uh, my Twitter name, or is that what you said? My handle, I guess, is how you, you go. It. <laughs> my Twitter handle is at Coach Ro- Coach Two Seventeen. The number two, the number one, the number seven. And then Roland, R-O-L-A-N-D, that's my last name. That's how you can follow me on uh, on Twitter. That's where, you know, I I'm, I try to be a big presence on Twitter in the sense of, you know, promoting my kids and promoting the brand. Um, you know, I, I, I don't talk as much trash as I once used to. I, I had to calm down. I, I grew, got a little older and wiser and 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 realize that you know i have to be more more professional more of a head coach so but you can follow me on there um and yes in my name there is that 217 that's a little bit of my competitive nature still being there that's that's a tackle record that i own uh at mainland for tackles in a season um it's funny that our our radio guy michael just realized what that was i think it was last football season he couldn't believe it he was always like what is that an area code i'm like no i'm from daytona and then he finally figured it out and my you know a couple a couple of my cousins like yeah that that's 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 a little bit of the cockiness coming out of him still, uh, even though he's humble. So, uh, you know, I, but like, I, I, I want to make sure I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, kind of follow up on what Coach Lundy said about Coach Asher. Uh, my coaching staff here can tell you that there's times in practice where I'll have been ready to move on from something, even if it was a bad rep, just because of time. And I would say Coach Asher is going to come hunt me in a dream tonight if I don't go back and make sure we get this right. Because Coach Asher literally would have Meetings with us before the games on Thursdays, and and he was the fir- he was my first guy. He's the first coach I had that made me realize how important special teams were. And I mean, they've been vital to us here. We had a kid named Dennis Shorter that was a punt returner for us, and I, and I think uh, in twenty eight in, in twenty eighteen <laughs> he re- his punt return average might have been like thirty five yards every time he caught it. Like when he didn't fair <laughs> catch when if there wasn't a fair catch. He literally averaged about 35 yards per term. There was one year. Uh, that same year, I think our offensive starting position was the uh, was the negative 45. I mean, you're, and, and, and that year we had a kid named Steven, you've seen it kicking for us. So now with with a dangerous leg like that, and then the offense moving the ball, we were scoring points on almost 70% of drives just because of you know how, how well we did in, in the special teams area. So uh, it's, you know, special teams are huge to me because it's, it's game changing, you know, it changed our football season towards the end where we blocked it, we, we blocked at one kick a game for the last four weeks. So just been an amazing situation. And I'm, you know, I'm grateful. Coach London, I'm grateful to you, man. You've been an amazing friend, a brother to me. Um, you you helped change my, you know, you helped change my life because I was able to, you know, become a special teams guy, uh learning from you and 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 being able to kind of understand about personnel and who to put where and not, you know, not put, you know, just old Billy Joe uh, you know, ho hum guy out there, but to put You're the best of the best, and if if we ever have time, we'll explain one of our greatest uh, discussions slash arguments on the football field about taking a a starter out off of a special team. That'll be for another show.
1: No, no. I again, thank you, Travis. And now it's my turn. Okay, so uh, I want to thank you first for letting me use the dozen or 14 FBS division one defensive players that you coached at mainland. They were, they were the most impactful special teamers because they were in fact the best players in the field. And then we would teach them a scheme, keep it very simple, but, but very aggressive. And we would teach them the purpose and more importantly, like the result. If you do this thing, well, it's going to result in your next defensive snap being very favorable. We're talking about maybe even a safety for you. So I think you. the only way that I had an, the success I experienced at Mainland as a special teams coordinator was because I had such a supportive head coach and more importantly, my defensive coordinator and Travis Rowland, I, I used your boys. I, I did. And, and, and you were referencing a second ago, we almost went to blows on a sideline one time because – you wanted to give your four-star safety a playoff. And he was my backside contain on a, on a kickoff cover and we got exposed. I didn't know it wasn't out there and it's just how passionate we used to be. And it's amazing because the players thought we were really going to fight. And Absolutely. within, within like, I don't know, a couple hours after that, we were probably on the phone and definitely the next day on a Saturday, we were friends and they were looking at us like, who are these people? They were just, they were just fighting last night. and Now all of a sudden they're best friends again, but it's because we care, you know, and I think they probably respected that too, because we do care. It was evident. We, we cared so much. We almost got ejected. (laughs) So. So I, I just want to thank you again. It means a lot, not only to me, but everyone at fourth down focus, I'm sure was able to get a lot out of this and, and we're thankful that you were able to share a little bit about your story, obviously, you know, with time constraints. I think I'm going to bring you back on um, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, continue this discussion on a later date. If you have questions related to fourth down focus, perhaps some suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you have comments, you know, or, uh, feedback for the show, you can reach me Dan Lundy in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com. That's 4th-T-H-D-O-W-N-U.com. It has endless resources for specialists and coaches. On social media, you can connect with me on Instagram or Twitter at 4thdownu. That's four t h d thdownu Or on Facebook and LinkedIn, I'm at Dan Space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thank you again for joining us at 4th Down Focus. Please give us a review and a rating on the platform you're listening on. It really helps the show. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. As always, I hope 2021 is uh, treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.